Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Peggy. And you? I'm doing all right. Uh, No doubt winter is here. We had our first big snow in Virginia, and temperatures are dropping again, so... You beat us this year. I've got nothing in New York yet, starting tonight, but you guys got way more snow than we did earlier than we did. Three snow days already. Hey, you're off to a racing start. Yeah, there you go. The kids are excited. Well, a kid and a husband are excited. The four-year-old doesn't care. (laughs) And the mother does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we actually, so we have a, um, a pretty heavy topic today and one that, that is important and I'm actually very kind of proud to highlight and talk about, and that is, um, the issue of sexual harassment as as it pertains to OMP. Yes. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners, um, have seen it, but the OMP Alliance in December published an open letter about sexual harassment and discrimination. And in this podcast, we're going to discuss the events leading up to the publication of that letter, um, as well as some resources for you to report sexual harassment discrimination if you're a victim of it. All right. Uh, Actually, Dave, we did share the letter through um, our network, ampedlife.com, and we also put it on our Facebook feed. So if you follow us either of those places... um, you, you kind of have an idea of what we're talking about. And if you don't yet follow us and are not a member of the Amped Army, you can join at ampedlife.com. And please do. We want you. So, Dave, since you were actually involved in the background, maybe you can set the scene on how, how all of this came about. Sure. So, in August, I attended a meeting in Arizona. I was invited to be part of a panel discussion. Uh, that my company was hosting. Uh, it's part of a uh, women's leadership conference and a women's leadership initiative that my company hosts. And um, I was on the panel so, uh, with three women. I was, I will tell you, Peggy, I was the only man in the room. And it's the first time in my life that I have ever been in that situation where I was the only guy in a room full of, um, I think, with everybody there, close to 60 women. And I will tell you it was it was eye-opening uh, for a lot of reasons, but it also it really reinforced to me, particularly given the topic we're about to discuss, that this is probably very common for most women in O&P. It's, it is, it, this is an industry that has historically been quite male-dominated with the exception of, um, let's call, the, call them generically administrative personnel receptionists, billing specialists, and the like. But the actual clinical care side of things has historically been a a male-dominated industry, and that's just the way it's always been. Um, So I was on this panel with three other women, and the first topic on the agenda was about sexual harassment. And the, uh, the moderator put the topic out there, and the very first thing that happened was a woman clinician raised her hand and said, I'd like to share my story. And she started talking. And um, I thought as she began that it was going to be, she seemed very composed about the whole thing. And it appeared to me that she was going to recite something that yes, it happened to her, but that she was really um, 
you know, had sort of, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, and I don't mean to sound dismissive when I say this, but she had put it behind her. It was very clear that as she began talking, that was not at all the case. And that, in fact, um, really the horror of what she had gone through um, while she was a resident um, was something that uh, still really haunted her. And um, so it's just incredibly powerful, you know, disclosure from her, uh, which had to be incredibly difficult for her to share with this group. And then other women started sharing their stories and it became very apparent as you just looked around the room and watched the reactions that this was not just a few women who had experienced this in ONP. This was a common experience. It was a shared experience uh, among probably majority of the women in the room, um, which was um, at one level to me, Peggy, frankly, it wasn't surprising, but it was infuriating. Um, and so the the discussion quickly turned to sort of, all right, what do we do now that we have this information? And the I will say three of the four panel members um, and, and the other two panel members with me who were not from my company, uh, one is uh, Rebecca Hast and, and Becky used to be um, the vice president of compliance and, and she had multiple roles at Hangar, but most recently vice president of Vice President of Compliance at Hanger, um, and then um, Ann Moss, and Ann uh, runs an independent orthotic and prosthetic facility in Pittsburgh, and um, both of these women happen to be on the board of the National Association for the Advancement of Orthotics and Prosthetics with me, and we all looked at each other as this was going on and said, we, we need to elevate this issue to the ONP Alliance, which is the, for those of you who haven't listened to the episode called Alphabet Soup that we did back in our first year of recording podcasts on our new website, um, you can go and find it there. But um, the ONP Alliance is the collective of the five ONP major trade organizations in the orthotic and prosthetic profession. Um, NAAOP is one of them. And we made the commitment to the group right then and there that we would take this issue to the ONP Alliance because it was clear that this was uh, very much a live issue. And um, we did that. We met, the ONP Alliance met in September at um, a national conference uh, for uh, for ONP, the AOPA National Assembly. And this was a, a major item on the agenda. We spent, uh, we spent a, a fair amount of time on this. And um, the long and short of it, Peggy, is that the ONP Alliance members unilaterally and immediately supported drafting an open letter to the field, taking a hard position on this. Um, and so that's that's kind of the background to how this issue has really come to the fore over the last three months. And obviously, this is in the context of you know the much larger Me Too movement over the last last few years and uh, the the discussion that it's garnered in the broader discussion of just society as a whole yeah um you know when you when you told first told me about this conversation um it i mean it just it makes so much sense i just even being a patient model have my own horror stories um and it's something that that really does stay with you um and it is it is rampant in the omp so i'm really really hoping that the open letter which was published on december 10th um does make a difference it does include some core elements 
which first and foremost is the complete condemnation of sexual harassment and discrimination of any kind. And we're talking zero tolerance. Uh, the letter also encourages victims to report uh, when they feel like they've been uh, sexually harassed or discriminated against. And it involves a commitment from all of the Alliance members to review and to further refine their policies on the topic. So not only are they saying, you know, sexual harassment and OMP is wrong, there is no place for that in our profession. If it's happening to you or if it has happened to you or it does happen to you in the future, we want you to speak up. And all of the Alliance members were to go back and kind of look at how they handle it internally and come up with with true policies that reflect the zero tolerance and acceptance that it does happen and that it's not going to be accepted any longer. Yeah. And there's, you know, a little additional context here. You know, there are different organizations that make up the ONP Alliance. And I should add there's, and and I'll I'll walk through um, a few of them quickly in a second, but um, there's also one, one entity that's not normally, well, is not normally in all Alliance discussions. It's an organization called ENCOPE, which is actually the curriculum development um, organization for ONP training education. And um, they they oversee the residency program. And it was very important for ENCOPE to be a part of this because obviously new ONP residents are uh, relatively powerless um, when, a, as it relates to the, you know, the relationship with the, um, the ONP owners and other employees of those companies that they're dependent upon in order to be able to ultimately go out and practice. And in fact, the story that was shared at the Women's Leadership Conference, the very first one, was in a residency context. And and one of the most heartbreaking things about this woman's story was, was saying to us, this was a person who everyone in this room would know. Everyone knows who this person is that was doing this to me. And um, I couldn't say anything because I thought if I said something, I was never going to, no one would ever take me as a resident anywhere else. I was not going to be able to have a career in the field I wanted to be in. And so she endured serial harassment and frankly assault over a period of years in order to be able to continue in the profession. And then, you know, that's just obviously unacceptable. But um, there are different relationships, Peggy, to this issue among the different alliance members. Um, and, and so NAAOP, just as an example, is an organization that focuses first and foremost on government relations. Uh, it's really around regulatory legislative issues. That's, that's NAAOP's focus, just as an example. And what that means is NAAOP isn't fundamentally in the business of regulating um, certifying or doing anything else with prosthetists specifically. It's about advocating for legislative and regulatory policies that are positive for the patient community and for the uh, provider community. So there are other organizations in the Alliance, though, that have a very different relationship and a much more direct relationship potentially with this issue. And those uh, those organizations are NCOPE, which I already mentioned on the residency front. And then you've got ABC and BOC. Um, and those are both organizations that um, that certify prosthetists to practice. Um, so they're directly involved with the credentialing for prosthetists to be able to deliver patient care. 
And so I just want to flag for, for people who are wondering about the alliance a little bit and how does the sexual harassment issue play with different members? It, it, obviously it's important to all of them and all of them have committed to review policies and to review their policies and to try to make sure that this doesn't happen. But there are three organizations in particular, ABC, BOC, and ENCOPE that would tend to be the ones that would most directly be involved with this issue, specifically as it relates to either residency sites, which would be ENCOPE, or individual clinicians and their certification to practice prosthetics and orthotics. And that would be ABC and BOC. In our show notes for this um, podcast, we have included links to all three of those organizations. But Peggy, do you want to maybe talk about you know, what people can do if they're confronted with this issue. And now I, I think we're, we're sort of turning here um, away from the historical background and towards Europe, you know, our pa- patients, people uh, with limb loss who are going for care. Um, if you're a victim of harassment or discrimination, what are your options? Um, so the first thing that you want to do is um, it, if you really feel unsafe, and this is not in the show notes, Dave, but you need to, to go to a situation where you feel safe, okay? Um, you need to notify the appropriate certifying or oversight entity, whether that be ABC, BOC, or NCOPE. Um, in licensure states, notify the licensing organization. You want to notify other clinicians in the practice that, that you felt uncomfortable or that something happened. Um, if you don't feel comfortable talking to the clinicians, ask to speak to the receptionist, but you need to tell somebody in the office what's going on. Um, and you should know that all prosthetists are required to po- report uh, sexual harassment if they see it or discrimination if they see it. Um, but please do bring it to their attention. Um you need to, to document it on your own as well. You can also file a complaint with law enforcement um, and you can file a complaint with the EEOC or its state equivalent. Um, you know, the the main takeaway, Dave, is that I, I really believe that the days of kind of accepting it and it's just one of those things and, and feeling uncomfortable and ashamed in silence are really gone. And this open letter is bringing to light that, you know, we recognize that this can be an issue and we want you to speak out that, that if this does happen to you as a patient, um, you know, if you can find the strength, please speak out because if it's happening to you, it could be happening to somebody else. Um, and its strength is in our numbers. I've always said that, and I really, really believe that. Um, if you know that somebody is being harassed, let them know about this open letter. Let them know, hey, OMP knows that this is an issue, and they're standing against it, and they want to know if something is going on. Speak out about it. Most important is you want to listen to them and validate what they're feeling and what they've gone through, because... I mean, it's, it is a nightmare and, and it is something where you feel completely devalued, um, and sexualized and scared. And, you know, especially when you're a new amputee or, or even, you know, an experienced amputee, when you're going to a prosthetist, you're feeling the most vulnerable anyway, because your prosthesis is off, you know, your limb is being manipulated, all of these things are going on. And then, to have somebody kind of prey upon you during that situation can be really, really, 
just it's just horrific so listen to the people validate them encourage them to report it encourage them to document it themselves whether it be to you know write it down because you're going to think that you remember all of these little details of exactly what happened but you won't you're going to remember highlights of of kind of overwhelming themes or what you were feeling or what you were thinking but you may forget some of the subtle nuances as much as you can you want to document and remember yeah and to the point about listening peggy which you you emphasized really well i just want to add to that you know it may seem it, it may seem obvious if you're not in the situation yourself but listening to someone who is it may seem obvious just do something take action but when you're the one who is being harassed, if you're the one being discriminated against, often it's it's much more complicated than it may seem to the outsider looking looking in at it. And so the the mere act of listening and not judging and providing support that may be the the best thing you can do uh, to help those people feel confident enough and feel comfortable enough to rationally assess their options and hopefully be able to take action to, to stop it from happening to themselves and to other people. But it's really important not to judge the person who's in that situation because it is a horrific situation. And um, it's not something where I think you can sort of expect um, entirely uh, logical behavior. You know, it's, it's not, it, it's very emotional. There's a, there's a huge emotional psychological element to this that you can't in any way, underestimate or kind of push under the rug it's significant traumatic stuff it is and it's it has so many layers dave um so i know that that i don't even know if you know my story okay on on um my incidents of of uh, sexual harassment in omp but if if you don't mind having the podcast go a few extra minutes i'd like to share it yeah absolutely so i was working as a patient model um, and I was at a conference in Boston, um, an industry conference, and a prosthetist wanted to see the, the foot that I was walking on. It was a bionic ankle. And he asked me to walk with him for coffee so he could really see my gait go up and down stairs, which that in and of itself is not unusual. Um, so I excused myself from the booth and kind of walked away with the client. And we were walking down the stairs and he grabbed my butt. Okay. And I turned around. He's like, I just wanted to see if you were firing everything. I'm like, "Uh, okay. So then, you know, we kept walking and I was feeling nervous and uneasy, but I was in a crowd and, and I was doing my job, right? I'm supposed to show the product. So that's what I'm doing. We ended up sitting at like a little coffee stand that was outside the exhibit hall, um, in a long corridor. And I sat down and I had a bottle of water and he sat down and at first he started talking about, you know, what suspension system I was using. So I told him what I was using. So then he knelt down to, to you know, get a closer look at, at my socket and my ankle and my, my liner and all of that. And the next thing I know is he shoves his face between my legs up my crotch. And grabs my breast with his hand in public and I felt abs there were there were probably 50 or 60 people walking around and I felt absolutely powerless and terrified um 
you know, I did, I, I ended it there and I said, I have to get back to the booth. It was nice talking to you, whatever. And just kind of ran as fast as I could on, on my little ankle that wasn't meant for running back to the booth and never really said a word. And I didn't say a word because I didn't want to be perceived as a difficult patient model. And that's what I was afraid was going to happen. I was afraid that if I spoke up, that I would somehow be considered difficult or overly sensitive or, or somebody who kind of alienated a potential client. Um, but I will tell you that that was the worst conference I've ever been at. I didn't feel safe until I finally got home. And I mean, I had, you know, nightmares thinking about it for months after. And the next time I went to Boston, I broke out in cold sweats when I was walking by that coffee shop, just remembering what happened. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's horrific. It's horrific. And 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 when I shared my story just privately with other friends who who have worked in the industry, um, patient models, that this has happened, similar issues have happened to them too. So it's, it's an issue from a practitioner's standpoint, it's an issue from a clinical standpoint, but it's also an issue if you're, you know, the lowest on the totem pole of, of a, you know, a patient model and they're um, just trying to show the product and get to go to a conference. Um, it, it can be pers- pervasive. So, you know, as, as somebody who has experienced kind of the best of OMP and have seen the absolute worst of OMP, I'm really, really thankful that the Alliance has stepped up with this letter um, and is taking a stand against it because it validates, you know, what every person, every woman has experienced. It validates that it was wrong, that they didn't deserve it, that, that they're entitled to be in the OMP field and that they don't have to be sexualized. And lest people think that we're we're spending undue time on one particular group of harassers, um, a, f- a few caveats here. One is, you know, this is not the uh, I, it's n- not the majority of prosthetists who are engaged in this behavior. Um, you know, most prosthetists are decent, fundamentally good people who are trying to provide great patient care. Um, so this isn't um, this isn't every prosthetist out there. Second. Um, one of the interesting things when I was at this women's leadership conference, Peggy, was, uh, you know, there are multiple different groups affected by this. Yes, patients can be affected by it, and it's horrific. And yes, um, clinicians can be affected by it uh, with respect to fellow employees or owners of businesses who where there's a significant power differential. But the other one that that came up in that discussion was female pa- female clinicians talking about being sexually harassed by patients. You're in the room alone with a patient and the male patient engaging in inappropriate behavior. So, you know, this isn't about a particular group as much as it is about the behavior. And the the important takeaway here is that everyone deserves to be free from this type of Neanderthal, awful, illegal behavior. Um, And so... We talk about it through the lens, obviously, in the in the context of AMPT. We're talking primarily from a patient perspective, um, people with limb loss, but it's it's bigger than that. And I think that I think probably most people understand that as a matter of common sense. But I just want to flag it explicitly. Thank you. I think it's good to do that. Um, I do think that we owe 
a, a huge debt of gratitude to the Oser Women's Leadership Initiative um, and the women this past summer who who really brought um, brought the the what what word am I looking for here? Because my mind's back to what happened in Boston now, Dave. <laughs> the issue. Thank you. There you go. Who brought <laughs> the issue really to the forefront of of you know of of the discussion i think that had they not bravely stood up and talked and and shared their stories you know it you would not have been impacted the way that you were and this this open alliance letter probably would never have come to fruition um huge credit to naop for elevating the issue to the omp alliance in september um you know that organization is the one who listened to what was going on at the leadership initiative and then who took it to the greater the greater organization to to say people we have to do something here um again i really want to emphasize that that if you're a victim or a survivor and you're struggling with what you need to do first and foremost know that you're not alone second know that you should never ever ever have to endure that type of harassment or discrimination and find a person or a group that you trust for support share your story get help if you need it and report 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 yep i would like to say something pithy and wise here at the end but there's nothing pithy and wise to say about this other than that it's got to stop it's not appropriate and um you know, if there's anything that AMPT can do for anybody who who's confronting these issues, obviously, um, please reach out to us and we'll be more than happy to provide support and assistance. Absolutely. Well, this wasn't really a fun one, Dave, but I think it was a very, very important topic. And I'm, I'm really, really glad that that the OMP Alliance stood up and, and wrote the letter. And I'm really glad that we can share it with everybody and discuss it and kind of bring this issue to to the consciousness of of the end consumer yep i agree 100 percent. appreciate peggy you sharing your story uh which you're right you had not shared with me and um, i really appreciate you doing that i think it'll help a lot of people and i look forward to hopefully a lighter and happier conversation next week we will do something fun yes cool take care it's great talking to you bye bye